0: But you need to understand that there's a component of vision that needs to happen that oftentimes, most of the time, I think, gets overlooked, particularly in the era that you and I are living in. And so I called our lesson this morning, Manifesting the Mystery. Manifesting the Mystery. And it was interesting, I opened up this morning's paper, The Post and Courier, and I always kind of look through it real quickly and I got to the faith and values section of the Post and Courier, and it was amazing, and, and I don't know whether it was a prophetic thing or whether it was a coincidental thing, but, but it was amazing to me that on the front page of the faith and values section, there's, there's a gigantic article dealing with the concepts of magic and mystery, the concepts of, of what's the difference between occult magic and, and what Christians would embrace as supernatural activity. And and of course, it was an interesting article, but it's basically wrong. But aside from that, (laughs) I thought it was fascinating that it at least demonstrates that there is something in the heart of man that wants mystery and supernatural activity to take place. Now, I'm going to read several verses so you can follow along. They may have it to put on the screen overhead Uh, You can write them down, but I'm going to read these very quickly. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 11. Listen to what Jesus said here. He said to them, meaning the disciples, To you... Everyone say, that's me. Yeah. To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. To you it has been given to know the mystery of... Of the kingdom of God. First Corinthians now, chapter 4. I, I, I know that for some of you your, your, your fingers are cramping because I'm moving really really quick, but bear with me. First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1. Because you see this theme, I'm only reading to you a few verses. I could read many many verses, but just a couple. First Corinthians 4 verse 1. So let a man so consider us. He says, let somebody look at me and consider me this. As Stewards of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You and I, it says, should be looked at by others. And when they look at our life, this is what they say. They are stewarding or they are, uh, they are holding or, or they are embodying the mystery of God. Now, I'm going to get to more of this. Ephesians 3... Verses 8 and 9, and then we'll stop there for just a moment. Ephesians 3, verse 8 and verse 9. It says, Paul's writing again, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I love that. What he's saying is, is, he's saying, I can't exhaust what God can do. They're unsearchable. All that he has for us, it's unsearchable. You, you, can't, you can't get to the bottom of the barrel with God. It's unsearchable. And he says, and to make all see. You know what all means? Yeah, absolutely. He says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. So he says, there's, there's this unsearchable, unfathomable, there's this indescribable, never-ending well of riches in Christ Jesus, and he says, my job, my job is to make all see the fellowship of that mystery. That mystery. Now, I believe all of humanity was created by God to both touch and be touched by some mystery. What I mean is this. I mean there is something inside of everyone that reaches out and desires that which is unexplainable. We desire something supernatural. Now, I'm not talking about something irrational, because irrational means just absolutely crazy and out of control. I like the term transrational. It transcends our rationality. In other words, it, it causes it causes us to go outside of the box, think outside of our brain, go beyond what we had originally conceived as ordinary. There's something in all of us that, that wants to break out of that boundary, the boundaries of reason and logic and human expectation. Sure you do. I personally believe that if there is a God, and I believe that there is a God, then he at times must do things beyond our measly human reasoning i mean if there's a god he's he's got to be bigger than me greater than me he can do more than me absolutely unlimited in his power i mean if, if if it be true that there's a god then he must move beyond at times my calculations he must move beyond my charts he must be move beyond my graphs he must move beyond what i think can happen And conceive, he must move beyond all of that, and he must at times be able to unveil things and do things that are beyond my reasoning at this particular moment. I believe there are many Christian people, and I'll just be transparent and say, including me, who have through the years tried to make the gospel so reasonable, so palatable, that we have lost the mystery of what all of this is about. I mean, I have really come to some conclusions here recently, for me, that have been just really life-transforming in our effort, I think, at times, to be so relevant. We want to be so normal. Sometimes it even works sort of as kind of church growth, you know, uh, precept. You know, we want to be relevant. We want to be normal. We want to show everybody that we're just like them. No, Paul says we should make all see that we fellowship in a mystery. No, I'm not like you. I function in a mystery. I'm going to be an enigma to you. In fact, the Bible says we are a peculiar people. S- some of you work at that, I know. I, I'm, not about, I'm not talking about working at it. I'm, ta- I'm talking about there just should be a peculiarity about, about walking with God. I think we've lost that at times. We, we want to be one of them. And, and so consequently... What we end up doing is we do what they do and think like they think and speak like they speak and we think we're being relevant and truth of the matter is we're being worldly. When we should be more of a mystery, there should be some aspects that distinguish us from an unbeliever and I believe that to be true and you know I preach this, I believe that should be true in our character and our walk and our testimony, certainly we should have differences from the world, but I believe not only should it rest in that area, but there should be a supernatural element to our existence. I used to think, and I'm just going to share with you, I'm I'm going through sort of some internal, these are good changes. Listen to me. I used to think that if you presented people with truth, and if you presented them with truth and and let them see that, that that would make it better for their life, and and if you presented them truth in a certain way that it would make sense to them, they would flock to it. You know what I found out? You can present truth and make it logical and reasonable, and people still will walk away from it. That's what I found out. Truth is, it's not true. (laughs) You can present things that make sense and seem to be thoroughly, completely reasonable and logical. And people will still walk away from it. You can can make a biblical case for anything, and folks will hear the truth, and they'll go, nah, not interested. Not interested. In fact, I am beginning to see that people will flock to everything but truth at times. In fact, let me just submit this to you. I believe that this generation doesn't want an explanation. They're looking for an encounter. They're looking for an experience. It's hungry for some mystery. We have a generation, listen to me, that's being raised right now on Harry Potter. We have a generation that's being raised on ghost detectives and charmed. And this season, they've got a new vampire detective show out. Isn't that neat? A a detective now who's a vampire can only work at night, I suppose. But, you know, nonetheless, it's there. We've got a generation that now can see on street corners all over America, Chris Angel show up and do things that, totally boggle the mind and fascinate them. And we shake our heads in the church because we know that these things are demonic in origin, but truth is, Satan has no problem manifesting what should be demonstrated in the people of God. God's calling us to manifest a little mystery in our life. And it's available according to the Word of God. Now I want you to listen. I've just been reading the Bible again. You know, the Bible will really mess you up if you really read it. In Isaiah chapter 8, and again, I'm going to read through these swiftly. Uh, Isaiah eight eighteen. listen to this. Isaiah eight eighteen. it says, Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. Now, I'm assuming it's Isaiah who's speaking here. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. Listen, we, everyone say, That's me. Sure it is. We are for signs and wonders in Israel. That's what he says. He says, here I am with those that you've given to me, and we are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. Now listen to verse 19. It says, and when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? Now, what's going on here is this. Isaiah is saying when we do not manifest a supernatural component to our life, when we don't manifest something beyond... I mean, we say we serve the God of the universe. We say we're in relationship with him. We say we walk in faith. We say that the promise of God is here. And all of these things is what we confess to and testify to. But the Bible tells us when we as the church and the people of God do not begin to manifest that component, that aspect of living with the Lord, then what happens is the people and the world turn to that which is counterfeit and false and fake. We have no one to blame but ourselves when they go see psychics. We Don't don't blame them for seeking out a psychic. Where's the prophetic, you see? Don't blame them for seeking out crystals and triangles and, and all the other things when they don't see any mystery in the people of God. Romans 15 so you know I'm not getting that out of the Old Testament. Romans 15. I just wanted you to see some things Paul said. I'm going to read them fast again. Listen in a hurry. Romans 15, verse 18. It says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. He says here, he says there are things that I have spoken and things that I have done in order to bring obedience to the Gentiles. And he says, this is what I've done. Verse 19. In mighty signs and wonders... By the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to uh, Elycrium or whatever, that city over there, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, which is one of my favorite passages. 1 Corinthians 2, it says, And brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, he said, I'm not going to know anything except this cross right here. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Pretty powerful verse there, isn't it? First Thessalonians, and again I'll stop right here. First Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So all through the Bible we begin to see Paul saying that there is this component of supernatural happenings that causes the gospel to come in its full expression. When our brand of Christianity has a mystery deprivation, then what happens is the enemy begins to pick it up. Let me just share with you, the harvest is desperate for something beyond themselves. They're needing something more than a life coach. They're needing something more than another ten steps to whatever kind of living they want to have. They need to understand something supernatural has to take place. And if we refuse to press in and find that place in God for us, they will go somewhere to have that hunger satisfied. I believe the global harvest, whether it be taking a city, taking a region, taking a state, or taking nations, will not be reached because we're so smart. They're not going to be reached because we have rational, logical, orderly presentations. I'm coming to the conclusion that the only way they'll be reached is when they see what can't be explained. The vision that God is putting in the earth in this hour has a supernatural component, mystery that is attached to it. And if we don't get this, we will be limited to our effectiveness in reaching the harvest. Let me just say this. If you don't get that God must do something supernatural for you to get you to where he's called you, you won't get there. Just because you got a great resume doesn't mean squat. You say, well, I've got this experience and that experience and this and that and the rest. Well, maybe. And maybe it will open a few doors, but if you want a God door... If you want to see God's vision come to pass, chances are you don't have what it takes to get there off your resume. But he's got more than enough to open a door that no man can shut so that when you walk through it, everybody says, ain't no way you ought to be here except God did this for you. There ought to be a little mystery to our lives. A little mystery. God, give us the mystery. Help us manifest that. On the day of Pentecost, which I have come to understand as the beginning prototype of how the church is to be enlarged. 3,000 people came into the church on one single sermon, converted, not because Peter got up with something so reasonable and logical and rational. They got up praising God, speaking in tongues, everybody thinks they're drunk, and the church gets started. Is that not the story? I mean, I'm just telling you the story. Three days later, 5,000 men, we're not counting wives, children, and all the rest, 5,000 men come into the church. And it wasn't because there was another rational, orderly, logical explanation to the gospel. No, there was a guy who was at the temple gate who was crippled from birth. They didn't have any money, they didn't have any influence, they didn't have anything except a little mystery working in their life. And he was able to say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I can give, rise and walk. And there were 5,000 people that said, did you see that? Dude, I'm with you. We've got to model that somehow we've we've got to press into that again if we're going to reach the harvest I believe we will miss our moment we will lose a generation if our approach to the harvest is only some some form of intellectualism or rationalism or even emotionalism I don't I don't think emotion is going to get people into the kingdom because emotion wears off there needs to be a little mystery that people can't shake away from. Now, I want to give you just an example. I started thinking about this, and I thought, well, Lord, help me see it in the word. And so I want to give you an example of how I believe God wants to reach the harvest. And so in the book of Exodus, everybody knows the story of Moses and the deliverance out of Egypt, the children of Israel. But I believe there's an example here for us, if we'll just stop and take a look at it, of how God really can reach a nation. How many of you know he shook a nation? Absolutely he did. And uh, Moses was the one that he used. And in Exodus 3, 1 through 3, uh, these are the words that we read here. It says, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Doesn't sound much like a deliverer at this point, does it? The priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And so when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am, here am I. Now, here's the context, you know the story. There are five million people, as best we can estimate, that were in Egypt at that particular time, Jewish people that needed to be set free from oppression and bondage that Pharaoh had put upon them. It was a Pharaoh that knew not Jacob, or knew not Joseph, excuse me. And because he didn't know Joseph, he could care less about the Jewish people. And so he he got scared, as you'll recall, because there were so many Jewish people and he was afraid they would rise up and riot. And so he enslaves all of them. He puts them in bondage. Over five million of them. And they need to be set free. The people of God. And, And in God's heart and in his mind, He chooses Moses. Moses is the one God wants to tap for the job. The problem is this. And it's that the deliverer needs deliverance. That's how it always starts. The deliverer needs deliverance. As you recall, he grows up in the house of Pharaoh. He grows up being schooled in the schools of Egypt. He ends up getting, he has an anger issue because he sees a, 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 a slave get killed and he rises up in anger and, and, and kills that Egyptian. So he's an on the run murderer, he's a felon, and, and how many of you know Moses has issues? You've never probably thought of it that way. Moses has great issues. And so God has to begin to do some things in Moses' life in order to weed out Egyptian mentality and, and begin to weed out Egyptian thinking and and begin to weed out all the things that he learned at Pharaoh's court so he could begin to understand how the courts of the kingdom work. And and he'd already, you know, had had inner issues with anger and all of the rest, and so God's going to have to work on him and all of these things, and so God puts him in the wilderness, and God makes him tend his father-in-law's sheep. I started thinking about that. That had to have been humbling. To have been in the courts of Pharaoh, and now you're watching your father-in-law's sheep. You know, some of you right now may be in a pretty humbling position, but it could be that God's preparing you to be a deliverer. It it could be that God's preparing you to manifest some mystery in in, in an amazing venue. But he's got to work some things in you. How many of you know he's got to peel out our American Western mentality? He's got to peel out our public education mentality. He's got to peel some things out. Because we've begun to think that the kingdom of God works like America, and it don't. Amen. That's almost heresy some places, but I'm sorry, it's true. And so he's got to weed this stuff out of us. And so all of a sudden, Moses is doing his thing. He may not even perceive at this moment that God is wanting to use him in this regard, but all of a sudden he sees a burning bush. I would say this was probably a mystery. A bush that burns, yet is not consumed. I've never seen this before. What could this be? I need to go check this out. And we know, because we know the story, that God, at that particular moment, is manifesting himself in this mystery of a burning bush. Now, I've always asked the question, why did God show up like that? I always ask, who, what, why, where, when? I just start asking questions. And I said, well, why, God? Why, you could have come, think of all the ways God could have showed up. He could have just showed up, just, here I am, Moses. I mean, he could have done the cloud thing. He could have done the pillar of fire. You know, he could have just showed up as the angel. He could have, you know, sent some lightning. Or I mean, he showed up in a burning bush. And, and I just thought, why would you do that, God? Why would you use the burning bush? And this is what I believe. I believe he wanted to use something to arrest the attention and awaken the conscience of Moses. He wanted to do something that would cause him to say, I've never seen that before. I I, I don't understand how that could even work that way. It was the model of a mystery to burn yet not be consumed. And it became a magnet to Moses to attract him to the purposes of God. And suddenly it dawned on me that God was setting him up. Because what he was setting him up in was this. That if God would do this for Moses, if God would do this for you, he'll do this in the face of Pharaoh. Sure he will. And this is what's needed in Christianity. Moses knew that if God could make a bush burn and yet keep it alive, then God could make him burn before Pharaoh and keep him alive. It was going to take something unusual to awaken Pharaoh to set 5 million people free. I mean, if you experience a mystery, I mean, mean, it's amazing to me. How many of you feel like you had sometime in your life some form, fashion, encounter with God that you would say, you know, that's just different. And, and you would just testify. Just raise your hand. I, I've had an experience with God. Well, let me just share this with you. That's, that's a greater moment for you than all the apologetics I could throw into your system. Because once you experience a little mystery in your life, nobody can talk you out of it. They can look at you and they can, just, they can tee-hee and poo-poo on that. But let me tell you, once you've experienced it, it don't matter what the gurus say and what the, you know, Dr. So-and-so says. It don't matter anymore. I've touched God. I've touched him. I don't care what you think. I know what I experienced. And it's interesting to me because because as Moses hears his commission, listen, this is and make the the application, as Moses hears his commission, God didn't say, let me tell you what we're going to do, Moses. We're going to sneak you into Egypt. And we're just going to smuggle a couple people out here and there. We'll just smuggle one here and smuggle one there. And we'll just smuggle them all out. And we'll get them, and a boy, five million of them, I don't know how long that would take. I guess he would have to live a long time to do that. But that's not what God said. God said, go and show yourself to Pharaoh. He gave him a staff. He gave him a rod. He vested in him authority and power. And he says, we're going to set a nation free all at once we we got to get a vision again. Let me, can I just say what God started to say to me? Nothing wrong with that. But you know how we work at it sometimes? Nothing wrong with it. But sometimes that's our mentality is the smuggling mentality. We're going to smuggle one into church. We'll get one. Dear God, let's keep them as best we can. We'd chain them up if we could. I mean, we'd, we'll smuggle another one in. And are they of value? Sure they are. And do they need to be set free? Absolutely they need to be set free. Please don't take the illustration as I'm demeaning the one or the two. They are very important to us and to the Lord. But I'm trying to set a vision for you to see what could happen. If we began to understand that God just doesn't smuggle one or two. And if the days are quickly shortening. And if we believe, and I believe that our days are becoming shorter to that moment when Jesus comes for his own. And we don't have much time. I know... According to the word that there is yet a great harvest revival. It has to be, be happening in the earth. I can, I can prove it by the scriptures. And I'm just here to tell you something of a global proportion is going to have to begin to manifest in the people of God. And I'm going to suggest to you it's when we start being an enigma, a mystery, and the world goes, did you see that? Did you see that? That's incredible. I want you to get this. It's going to take something unusual, something with a little mystery to set nations free. And and my question is, do you have that component in your vision? Because you can have the greatest wish and dream for the future, but to get there, you're going to have to have a supernatural aspect working in your life. That is how I believe cities are going to be one to the Lord. I can almost guarantee it. And so we've got to embrace this. We need an extreme revolution in our understanding of how ministry is to take place in the 21st century. We may need to market. We can certainly grow organizations. But the real question is, the question is no longer, how many people can you get set in a seat? The question is, can you set people free? That's the question. The question is no longer, bring your chains and show up. The question is, bring your chains and we'll set you free. That's the question. We've got to switch all of this around. We have to believe that it's the heart of God to set people free, to reach the harvest. And, and then what's the plan if, if the supernatural isn't a part of that? Three quick things. I've got to go quickly here. Write these down real fast. There are three core issues that hinder people from, from walking in the supernatural, from a supernatural flow. Throw it up, guys. Number one, it's failing to deal with the inner issues of control and comfort. Just write them down, and then I'm going to to talk about all three of them here in just a moment. Failing to deal with inner issues of control and comfort. The reason the supernatural bothers us is because we can't control it. And and it causes discomfort. Because it it, it instantly, by virtue of the definition of supernatural, it will attack your reason. Now, Now, hear me. You may say, well, I'm a reasonable person. I'm a logical person. Well, you'll throw all that out the window the first time doctor says cancer and it's inoperable. Listen to me. You'll watch a lot of reasonable people do a lot of unreasonable things when a doctor says, nothing we can do about it. So before you get to that moment, why don't you take a step or two back and say, maybe, maybe, just maybe, I need to get this working in my life before I get to the moment I've got to have it working in my life. It's our inner issues. Number two, go ahead. It's finding the need for social acceptance and the secular mind. Everybody in the room, including me, not a one of us escapes. We all want people to like us. We want to be accepted. We want someone to say attaboy. We want someone to think highly of us, think well of us. We want people to you know, say good things about us. And, and, and fact of the matter is, is, is that when you begin to function like that, they're going to look at you just like they did at the disciples on the day of Pentecost and say, these people are drunk. They are crazy. They're going to call us peculiar. They're, they're, you, you, let's reconcile it now. Hear me. What you need, you can't lead. Oh, that was good. What you need, you can't lead. If you, if you have to need someone, then you'll never, you'll never probably reach them. You've got to reach the place where the only need you have is in him. And once you get that settled, then the rest of it finds its place. We also think somehow or another we're always having to debate the secular mindset. You know, I'm to the place, now I don't give a rip, if you think, if you think we came from fish or frogs or monkeys or whatever, well, what, whatever, whatever, because I'm not going to spend my life trying to make you understand that I ain't a monkey. I'm going to go on and see if we can't get people set free and whole and right and functional. All right, number three, fear of the unknown or things you cannot explain. These are all things that begin to challenge us with regards to seeing a little mystery happen in our life. All of these issues deal directly with predictability. We really don't want to be surprised. Uh, You've heard, I won't tell the story again, but I, I can tell you when I first started coming to full gospel churches, these type of churches. And uh, whenever I had family members with me, I used to pray, Oh God, please make it a calm service today. <laughs> I got family in service with me today. Would you please make it calm today? It would really go over better with them. I mean, then I started thinking to myself if there had been a church growth expert at the Mount Sinai Christian Center here in Exodus, <laughs> when God unveiled Himself, And and you think about all the things that God did. I mean, we're talking burning bushes, fireworks, clouds, you know, earthquakes. I mean, you think about all the stuff that went on. They would have had to have said, "Okay, God, wait, 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 time out. Let's just understand. We are trying to reach these people, not kill them. We, We are trying to somehow get them back to you. So let's not scare people anymore. We need to make it agreeable and comfortable. Let's just take out any of the controversial stuff. Never talk about the controversial stuff, much less do the controversial stuff. But let's just try to make it predictable and palatable. And remember, there are big givers in this five million people. Remember this God, because we're gonna need, we're really gonna need them. So please, don't blow them away. And what we do is we embrace the natural and we lose the supernatural. We lose it. You will never set a city free with that mentality. And the vision is not about how large you are. It's about, can you set the people free? It only takes one person who's had a moment with a burning bush to set a nation free. That's all it takes. One person. And what will that do? I'm coming down for an end. You're going to write fast right now. What will manifesting mystery accomplish? Number one, it creates an awe of God that crushes familiarity. I'm praying right now, and you can't stop me. You may be able to stop me in some areas, but you can't stop me from praying that when we come to the house of God, that everything that we know as predictable and familiar gets crushed, and then we suddenly see God shows up, and we just go, wow, wow, that's cool. That was God. Did you see that? Did you? We got to get the wonder back again. We, we, and, and let me tell you, the wonder just doesn't come because I preach you into it. The wonder doesn't come just because you agree with me. The wonder comes when we pray and we seek him and we, and we let our hunger loose towards him. And God says, I can meet that. Secondly, it breaks skepticism from the atmosphere. A manifestation of mystery can trigger a new level of faith. We don't walk around anymore. I mean, you start hearing people who will say, man, you know, there's cancer in my body, and the cancer's gone. I had this pain in my leg, and the pain's gone. I was on disability, and I couldn't move, and God healed me, and now I can get off disability and go get a job. Hallelujah. That would be a mystery, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? I mean, all of a sudden, my eyes were blind and they are open. I was in a wheelchair and I, 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 I came out of it. And all of a sudden, you look at that and every now and then, and I know, I, and, and let, let me say, I, I love everybody that's in the health profession business. We, we love them. And, and God uses the health profession to bring health and healing to our bodies. But understand this, they are practicing medicine. Practicing. And you also need to understand that there are moments that God shows up and he suspends the law of medicine. And he does what he wants to do. And you may say to even a doctor and say to them, well, you know, I believe God did this. And they may just kind of chuckle, chuckle, chuckle and hang up. But you don't know what they're doing on the other end of the phone when they go, I don't know how that happened. It breaks skepticism. Did you see that? I often thought about this. I thought about, just I'm just, this is my silly sense of humor. But think about Ananias and Sapphira. And they're just—they're just lying, dear God! All they did was lie about their giving. They just lied. I mean, there's lying going in churches in America all, all the time. They just lied. <clears throat> Dead. How many of you know? That would have got a few people's attention. But the offering was pretty good the next Sunday. I'll just bet. That one. There's a little mystery (laughs) here going, did you see that? This God stuff, it's real. My Lord, that's real. Number three, it establishes a solid testimony. You get a few miracles under your belt and your credibility increases. God starts working in your life. I mean, there's some credibility that shows up. Solid testimony. Number four, it causes a powerful awareness of divine presence. How many of you have experienced something from God, you couldn't explain it, but in that moment, you knew that you were confronted with a reality that was beyond the natural? I mean, I don't care if it was an unusual meeting, a divine coincidence, if it was a healing, a miracle, just whatever it was, but in that moment, all of a sudden it happens and all of a sudden it's just like a freeze frame, Kodak moment, and you're just stopped and you just said, whoa, God's in here. That's an incredible thing. It makes you aware of a divine presence. That's why we need that supernatural component. People need to to know that when they come in the presence of a believer, when they come into the presence of the house of God, that God's in the room. Number five, it causes a disruption of the demonic realm. We need to disrupt the demonic realm. Pharaoh needed disrupted. He he, he needed, he needed to be broken and to release those that he had placed in bondage and in chains. It's interesting, the first time Moses shows up in the courts of Pharaoh, he is confronted with the magicians of the court, Janus and Jambres. And you know the story, Moses, or through Aaron, tosses down the staff, and the staff turns into a snake. And according to the account, it says that the magicians were able to copy that very miracle, and so everybody sort of passed it off as a slick trick. But later on, Moses, as he began to gain more authority, and as his relationship and confidence continued to grow, the Bible says that there were creative miracles that began to take place. For instance, the Bible tells us that out of the dust, lice was created. And here all of a sudden we see something that the magicians were not able to do. And that's where we need to get. I'm not trying to be like Chris Angel, I'm trying to be a man of God. And here's the key, Chris Angel, and and I'll be the first to admit it, I've gone through and hit whatever, the Discovery Channel, and I've paused for a moment, and I know people watch that. And I'm just here to tell you that he'll levitate, he'll make cars disappear. It is incredible as you watch this, and at the same time, you know he's tapping into the powers of darkness. And we need to understand that if a Chris Angel will go into stores and on streets and do his tricks in front of the masses and nobody even thinks anything about it why why would we hesitate to pray for somebody at a grocery store why would we hesitate for just a moment to say i know a god that can heal that particular ailment i don't know how many times through a week somebody in the office or somewhere someplace will go man i hurt man this or that and and i mean obviously just don't you know don't try to be a weirdo but You don't have to be weird with the power of God. Just say, you know what? Would you mind if I just prayed right now and I believe God could do something for you? We need to just start taking some steps here and believing God for that next dimension. The spirit of Pharaoh is about to let the people go from our cities, but he will not let the people go until the people of God demonstrate the power of God and we begin to toss our sticks down one more time. Amen. The day of supernatural neutrality is over. It's just over. Just It's over. I'm not debating anybody anymore about supernatural stuff. It is over. I'm tired of letting the devil do his thing and we sit and debate about it. It is time we just got over it and said, yes, God is above, beyond, and greater than anything I'm about, and he can do it. Anything he wants to do. Without mystery, our faith deteriorates into Religion. We just become religious. If you've got everything all figured out, if you've got everything in nice, neat little order, and you can do this and that and all the rest, and you go through it all, and it's all quite palatable and predictable, and everything is just nice and neat and tied up, that you've got religion. And we've got to get a relationship. Israel never fulfilled their destiny because they never overcame their rational Thought processes. All they could see were giants that were just way too big. They're just too big. Look at us and look at them. Too big. Forget it. Only two people said, let's go take them on. They won't be hard to find. They can't hide from us. Let's go get them. That's the spirit that's got to come back to us again. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm done. I, I can't. I can't mention the names, and I won't. You could probably guess them, but this is this is some years ago. I can remember being at a meeting that I was I was helping in this meeting. Church service meeting, and the uh, traveling minister that was there was holding a healing crusade. And it was just packed. Just just thousands of people were there. And I'll never forget. As the, as the meetings were coming closer to the start time, there were several ambulances, the EMT vehicles, that showed up. And uh, the EMT workers, the techs would get out, and they would actually bring people on stretchers out of the, the ambulance, and, and they were pulling them into the meeting. And I didn't ask them about it, didn't know. I knew enough to know that they couldn't get there on their own. They had to come via the ambulance. I was also aware enough to watch sort of the the EMT people's Expressions And the whole time they're doing this whole thing, moving these people into this church service, you could see it on their face. The disdain and the skepticism and the, oh, right, you know. And, and they weren't saying it out loud, but you could see it all over their face. This, this, was, this was kind of like a joke. And there were two or three of those ambulances that showed up. The meeting went on, and, and, and this much is all I know is that none of the people that came in an ambulance left in an ambulance. I don't know what the look on their face was at the end of the meeting, but I know what they did in the middle of the meeting. They got up, and God had touched them. I'll never forget one time we had a gentleman come in, a prophet from God, and I got to pick him up at the airport. I took him to the hotel. I picked him up at the hotel, and I brought him to the service. He was with nobody the whole time he was in this city except with me. I was the one that got him. I took him every place he went. And I'll never forget in the service when he would begin to minister and the power of God would come. And all of a sudden, not only would he know people's names, but he would call out their doctors. He would call out children's names. It was the most incredible, amazing gift i would ever seen in all of my life. I mean, you would stand there and say... I don't know that I want to be here. What else does he know? God's intention isn't just one or two people here and there. His intention is that his people be a mystery to the world. And we've got to get the mystery back again. We need that. You need that. Absolutely. You need to experience for yourself the miraculous working of God. And in turn, you need, as Paul said in Ephesians 3, 8, and 9, make all see the fellowship of the mystery. When they look over here at our fellowship, they need to say, those folks are a mystery. <laughs> You're right. Praise God. You're right. And you watch and see. You know what? They may not need a mystery now, but there will come a day they'll need a mystery. Yes, that's right. They'll need it. Amen. Hey, stand with me, will you please? Here's what I want to do right now. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for needs here in just a minute. But before we do that, this is what I'd like to do. And, and guys, just keep it quiet just for a minute. I don't want any background sounds for just a moment. Holy Spirit, I pray right now just as we're gathered here in these last few moments, that, Lord, we talked about how you come in reality and work in our midst. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, I honor you in your place here amongst us because you're the one that unveils the Father's heart and you apply and you appropriate that which Jesus has provided. So, Holy Spirit, we understand we have to have you in this place right now in order for you to do your work. And so you have an honored place here. And I'd ask of you right now to go up and down these aisles and through the seats and just just touch your people here in a special way, Lord. Some of them know you, they love you, they walk with you, and they're all out. There are others that I'm sure, Lord, have have come and they're discouraged and they're, and they're they're just downtrodden and they need lifted up. There are others, Lord, that I'm quite sure have compromised and. If they haven't walked away, they're starting to walk away. And then there's probably some in here that have never, ever really, truly opened up their heart to Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to manifest some mystery in our midst, that which only you can do. Lord, I can teach and preach and I can do all kinds of things, but I cannot reach into the heart of a human being and knock at that door and talk to them and move them. Only you can do that. And right now, Lord, would you begin to knock at people's door? Would you begin to speak? Lord, right now, do what you need to do. And, I, and folks, li- just listen to me. My, my my first invitation right now is going to be this, that, that if, if you've never given your heart to Jesus or if you need to get yourself back on target and right with God, let me tell you, don't be embarrassed. Please don't be embarrassed. We will cheer you. We want the best for you. We want you to know God's goodness in your life. But he says this. He says that you, if you, will, if you will affirm me before men, I'll affirm you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. And I've just come to the conclusion that there's no easier place to do this than in the house of God. Don't think it's easier in your car or your shower. I'm not saying you can't get saved. You can't do, deal with God in those places. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying there's no easier place than with a bunch of people who really want the best for you that will cheer you on. And we're not going to do any music or give you or set the mood. I'm just going to ask you right now, if God is working in your heart right now, and you know how it is, your heart's racing maybe a little bit faster. You know something was quickened to you or enlivened in you and, and, and it's eating on you right now. That's the Holy Spirit. That, that's kind of a mysterious thing. And, and you need to know that's the start of it right there. And this is what I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. Before we go, this is what I want to ask of you to do. If you would say to me this morning, Pastor, before, we, before I go, I just want to be right with God. I, I, I want what you talked about. I want all that to happen. But I can't do that until I first get right with God. We can't skip part one and just go to part three. We've got to get the foundation right. If that's you, just lift your hand and keep it up for a moment. Just lift your hand and keep it up just for a moment. Thank you, one. Thank you, two. Keep it up just for a moment. Anyone? Thank you, thank you. All right, you can put your hands down right now. I'm going to ask you right now. Now, don't think about this. And I, I really, I'm not setting you up. I'm just wanting to nail some things down. And folks, I want you to affirm. But everybody that lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. And if you didn't lift your hand, just slip out right now and join me. And I'm going to pray with you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you, but just come on down. That's all right. Come on down. Slip out. Just come on. Just slip on out. Just come on. Just come on. Come on. You slip on out. You're not alone. Come on. Anyone else? Just some of the ladies, my guys. Trace, get some of your ladies. Guys, just, they're going to gather and behind you. You're going to feel someone lay their hand on your back. God bless you. I'm just going to hug your neck. All right, we're all going to pray together. Everybody just lift your voices. Everybody's praying now. Together. Let's say this. Say, Dear Jesus, Jesus, thank you for talking to me, putting a little mystery in my life. I'm responding to you. I confess now all my waywardness and all the sin, and I choose to repent and to turn another direction. I agree with you, Lord concerning my ways. I believe in my heart that you died for me. I believe that you were raised from the dead to empower me to live this mystery. I embrace that gladly. I declare right now that I am, by virtue of the cross and your work in my life, a child of God. I receive that that. with all its benefits and with all its responsibilities. I receive it it. in Jesus' name. name. Amen Amen. and amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give another invitation, ladies, guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the guys to go to the disciple and ladies if you'll go to connect for just a minute and just and you can you can be there. I'm gonna pray for some more people right now. And and ladies, you can follow up and make sure you have everybody's name and you know who they are and encourage them in the Lord. But this is what I'm gonna do right now. How many of you need how many of you need a supernatural happening in your life right now? I mean, you need s- some supernatural stuff to take place right now. Amen? Amen. Come on down right now, slip out. Guys, you can start playing some music behind, you just slip out. We're going to believe God right now that you're going to see some mystery invade your life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We need some mystery in our life. Amazement, mystery. Come on now, let's believe God together. Come on, lift your, begin to lift your hands up and believe God and say, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I I need an intervention. I need that mystery back in my life. I need some miraculous happenings to take place right now, Lord. And and listen to me. God wants to do this. He wants to do miracles. He wants to do signs and wonders. It said in Isaiah 8, 18, we are, we are, we've been created for signs and wonders. But, But the key is not just to receive them, but to have them work through us. And if God gives you a miracle moment, then don't you keep your mouth shut tell somebody let somebody see it put a little mystery you say they'll laugh at me well then you just laugh with them all the way to glory because let me tell you something it's getting their attention hallelujah father i'm praying right now i'm praying right now lord for miracles to begin to spring forth in jesus name lord we release supernatural happenings in your people right now Lord, we just, even as I just sort of cast my arms right now, Lord, let a wave of the miraculous begin to just just encompass the congregation in the name of Jesus. Let creative miracles begin to happen. Lord, let bills miraculously get paid. Let job openings miraculously begin to materialize, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, let it happen. Let favor, favor of God begin to show up in different areas in people's lives right now in the name of Jesus miracles everyone say miracle miracle come on father I pray right now that would get in our system this the mystery of your work in our midst the mystery Lord of what Jesus provided on the cross the mystery of it all let it begin to manifest in our midst right now in Jesus name in Jesus name We're breaking the spirit of it always has to make sense. We're breaking that in Jesus' name. Come on now, with man, some things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Come on now, break that. Everybody right now, lay hands on your brain. I take authority over my my inner man, my brain right now. Lord, I've been brain cramping too much lord do a work renew my mind renew it let me think like you think see like you see believe like you believe lord let me let me see the impossible begin to transpire lord do it in our lives lord we're seeking you in this but this is an expression of who you are so lord let it begin to happen in jesus name in jesus name Jesus name it can't happen it can he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think isn't that that's what the Bible says exceedingly abundantly above what I could ask for things hallelujah according to the power that works in me thank you Lord we are well able I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, hallelujah. No height, nor depth, nor anything can separate me from the love of God and the mystery of God, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you Lord, mystery.
1: I feel like the the, the Lord just said, some of you, even as I was watching, the Lord said, some of you are saying, I don't want to believe it. If I don't expect much, I won't be disappointed. And so I'm just, I just can't believe I know pastor battled that for, for months and months and months. If I expect it and I don't get it, then I'll I'll be disappointed. I'll just be distraught. And we've just got to break that mentality. We've got to break that mentality. God wants our best. He wants us to see people saved and set free at the grocery store. I'm back there praying, Lord, Lord, just give us, give us the courage to step out and then, Lord, meet us there. Just meet us there that first time, that first time that we lay hands on somebody at the grocery store, that first time that we speak to that person about what there's, what's going on in their life. Lord, the Lord says, I want to show myself to you. Trust me. I want to show myself. Come with expectation. Come with astonishment and I will prove to you that I am a God who heals. I am a God who delivers and I can use you you. I can use you. I'm telling you, you use this week, Alex Kirby, when you walk into West Ashley High School, you walk in there with a sword of the Lord and the word of God in your heart. Son, you're going to reach people the very first day. You go in there expecting, you go in there expecting every one of you, every one of you. Life can be different. Do not let the enemy tell you to not expect. That's the, that's the snare he wants to set as you walk out the door today. And I'm just telling you, we have uncovered his scheme and we're not going to receive that in Jesus'
0: name. Hallelujah. Guys, give me some heat in this instrument. Is Robert still here? Robert, if you're still here, come take the drums if you will. There I go. Woo. Do I give me a little bass? This is what we're going to do. How many of you believe a miracle is going to happen this week in your life? Come on now. But we're not going to stop there. Before we go, now our heart's cry is going to be not just, Lord, do it in my life, but let it go through my life. Come on now, you've got got to demonstrate mystery. Not only are you a receiver, the Bible says freely you've received, what? Freely give, that's right. The goodness of God comes to you, but now it must move through you.